Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Champion Your Life with me, Leanne Champion. It's great to be with you all again on this beautiful August day. We are going to be discussing resiliency and how to survive during a time of crisis. And my special guest today is Laura D. Craker Langry. And Laura is a cancer mom and an advocate for parents of children with cancer and other chronic illnesses. And she's written a book to help parents get through those first panicked fueled weeks through the trenches, if you will, and to that other side. And Laura navigated her daughter Cecilia's challenging battle with childhood leukemia, and she decided to then write a book to share her insights, her tools for families navigating their own health crises. Her book is entitled Through the Fire, a compassionate guide for surviving your child's terrifying, life-threatening illness with your identity, your family, and your relationships intact. She's uh, currently shopping for agents and a publisher to promote her book. So if you're listening, she's one busy woman as professionally, Laura is also the Director of Performing Arts at the Harker School in the Bay Area. And just one last thing I need to mention, she's my sister. <laughs> <laughs> so Laura, welcome. Let's just jump right on in because your story is so profound, the journey you've been on. And I just want you to let our listeners know your story. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on today, Leanne. And this journey began when our oldest daughter, Cecilia, was three years old. And out of nowhere, she became completely lethargic and incredibly pale. We checked in with the doctor a few times and were told that she was fine. And Finally, I just had that mama instinct and insisted on a blood draw that showed she was not fine. She actually had childhood leukemia. And as you know, our, our whole family was devastated. So after those first few days in the hospital, the nurses gave us the three-year protocol and directions specifically for the next seven days. And she was so sweet. She said, you know, you've got this. You're going to be okay. And I just fell apart in that hallway because we most certainly did not have it. And during that first day, Cecilia's oncologist, he reassured us that she had an 85% chance of survival. But honestly, all I heard was that she had a 15% chance of dying. And in this new cancer world, you quickly realize that the medical team is marvelous at the medical side of treatment. But that 15% is up to you. So, you know, you just become desperate for information. But back then, there was only one family cancer book. So there was no guidance. There was no roadmap for families of kids with cancer. Nothing that was, you know, kind of handed to me on the way out to guide me through what to do at home next and how to figure out how to be a collaborator in her healing. And unfortunately, that's still the case today. So we quickly realized we needed to figure out how to manage our lives and our minds for this long haul marathon of treatment. And we took this interesting trip to a, a wonderful place called Camp Ukaizu, where cancer kids can safely play under the watchful eye of doctors and nurses. And parents get to go to these meetings where they share information and camaraderie. And I was we were thrilled to meet with other parents who were ahead of us and to learn their positive tips and to be motivated and inspired. 
Sure. This particular camp, our parent meeting was filled with parents of children in treatment who were done with treatment or were six months ahead of us, five years, one year. And these families were still feared, filled just with daily fear and despair. Oh. Their marriages were broken. Their jobs were lost. Their souls were just, they were damaged. And I left that camp knowing one thing for sure. I didn't want to come out on the other end of this journey shattered like the families we had met. And there just had to be another way. Wow, wow, wow. So you just became determined to find another way. I I want you to tell that story um, so amazing about how Cecilia began finding her strength, this little one during treatment. Isn't oh, it? sure. So pretty, pretty much right away after that, we were getting Cecilia ready for her lengthy day at the hospital that particular day. There's a checkup, there's IVs, there's chemo, there's procedures, you know, all of it's kind of sucks. It's scary. And mm. as her parents, we're, we're looking for ways to psych her up to get her um, okay with this. So we offered her a bribe of a popsicle in the park for not, you know, for keeping her mojo and being kind and using her manners. And mm. after explaining her deal several times, Cecilia stopped us in her three-year-old way said, you mean you want me to have a positive, a positive attitude? Oh. I know. She saw it before we did that she could choose to have a positive attitude when facing a daunting day. And this was amidst her own crisis. Positive. I mean, seriously, out of the mouth of babes. What a moment. Our children, they're, you know, they can be our teachers. Did it, did it occur to you back then that you might need to write a book one day? Oh, for sure. Well, during treatment, we were tight with six other families, and we were really ambitious about taking notes for each other and sharing reactions and what worked and what didn't, tricks for getting your child to eat and how to go to school. And we shared this, these documents with each other and with other diagnosed parents. And I was so frustrated by the lack of universal knowledge to help families through a medical crisis, well, any crisis in medicine. So yeah, I regularly declared, I have a book in me, but to be perfectly honest, it took me a lot of years before I was even ready to write it. It was just way too raw for me at first, but now's the time. Yeah, for sure. yeah, so, so through the fire is for families in any medical crisis. Yeah. Full of specific tactics and tricks for taking care of yourself, learning how to create a new normal for you and your family, tools for how to ask for help, and learning how to shift your mind towards the light every day. Because you can have all the tips and tricks in the world, but if you, as as you teach your listeners as a life coach, if you don't manage your mind and choose a way to thrive, you will continue to live in despair and fear, which is incredibly powerless. Oh, absolutely. You know what? I'm really so glad that you first allowed yourself the gift of time and reflection, but then decided to come back and offer this book to the world. It's really, it's going to be a real gift. Ah, thank you. And it, you, you, you led me down that path one day when I was ranting about this problem, and you told me to do a TED talk, but I wrote a book instead. <laughs> there you go. What's really interesting to me now, and what I hope to impart to your listeners, is that resiliency lessons from those cancer years have stuck with me and continue to inform my actions in crisis. Can you say and that again? That's yes. so good. So these lessons I have learned have continued to inform my actions in a crisis. 
Yeah. And I want to make sure that I share those lessons with others so that their life situations can just be that much better. It's just like you teach. Life is 50-50 no matter what. And when we learn how to develop resilience, you view trauma and setbacks and life's inevitable challenges with a whole new frame of mind. And you find your power to make changes. Yes, yes, it, it's true. It's when we truly learn how to manage our minds. There's just so much less needless suffering. Yeah. You know, I, I do remember when I think back, one of the ways that you found your strength was being like really intentional with finding little bits of joy, especially yeah. when facing some of your ugh, longer, scarier hospital stays. And I will say you and your husband, Arna, were such a team during this time. But I do remember one of the creative things that you came up with was called a, a hospital party. Can you share with everyone about this. I think this is really amazing. Oh, sure. Well, absolutely. I, I looked at the entire treatment schedule and tried to process the enormity of it, you know, and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I was just filled with fear and despair. And I was agonizing about leaving my baby behind and missing work and stepping into this zone of cancer land that I really was not ready to embrace. And my head was really full of all the things I had read online. Like, would she be able to handle the chemo? Was she going to throw up all day? What would it be like? And I remember talking to our parents about this because I was just filled with dread. And it was dad who got me to start thinking that it could be something else instead, because, you know, he was that person who was always finding the light. Oh, what the experience could be something different. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was amazing. I always had the ability to think outside the box. I, I, I don't I always think of him and I think he taught us the glasses half full, certainly not empty. Exactly. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. instead of going to a host, six designated hospital stays, we had six hospital parties. So oh, hid different God. toys and activities that could only be played with at the hospital. And when we would arrive, we'd make a giant calendar and filled in all of the gaps between her treatment times with fun. And on the very last day of those six hospital stays, over six months, we were rolling Cecilia again out of the hospital. And Arne and I just looked at each other with these bags under our eyes and said, oh my God, we've made it through this phase. And we look over and Cecilia's spinning around in front of the hospital and looks up wistfully and says, I'm going to miss this place. Oh. <laughs> okay. Well done, mom and dad. Thank I, that's you. Thank a you. great story. But I mean, seriously, the innocence, the beauty yeah. of that statement because of your your effort, she saw only the good. Yes, and she became very empowered as well. So through the fire has everything that parents need to create your own hospital experience from lists of what you can bring, what you shouldn't bring, what to expect, how to advocate for yourself and your child. So it's all there and people don't have to guess and live in fear. So Laura, speaking of fear though, because I think it would be not real to not discuss it. I can only imagine though, during that time that had to be, you had to be in a constant state of fear. I mean, thoughts playing over and over in your head. Is she okay? Will she be okay? Am I okay? I mean, you had to be so strong, I'm sure in front of her, but privately that had to have been really difficult. Oh, a hundred percent. And that, that little gang of six families we bonded with, three children died of the same illness, Luke, Rebecca, and Michelle. And the two others, Kaylee and Lauren, relapsed, retreated treatment. They relapsed again. 
had bone marrow transplants. And these are families that we bonded with and played with and shared. And now we were attending funerals and it was pretty heavy. Wow. I'm truly, I don't know. That's, I'm sure everyone listening feels the same way. That grief must have been profound. But as I recall, we talking once, there was a moment when you and Arna went to see your pastor and Mm -hmm. she helped you make a pretty seismic shift. Can you tell our listeners about that one? Yeah. Towards the end of treatment, you know, you think we'd be in a great mental space, but we were freaked out by everything that we had witnessed and we fell into a a pretty bad funk. So we went to our pastor and explained the whole situation. And she took a second and then said, you know, have you ever thought that she could be the hope? And that blew our minds because it was then I realized we had a choice to see our situation with hope. That is so beautiful. I mean, in actuality, she helped you choose a new thought, right? Didn't she? So that you could feel the hope. Yeah. Wow. So can you just tell everybody how Cecilia is doing? I mean, I know, but I'm sure everybody's wondering. I will. Well, after she was being, after being told that she had an 85% chance of surviving and would never do math or science, Cecilia is a thriving 27-year-old survivor, newly engaged, she got her undergrad in neuropsychology and a master's in community health and prevention research. So she fucked the system. She certainly did buck the system. She dispelled that theory of never doing math or science. Yep. For those of you listening, she actually graduated from Stanford twice. I'm, I, I, I would imagine that the doctors really loved being wrong about that. Of course. These are such heartwarming stories. And it's interesting When we think through resiliency, it isn't really about hunkering down or toughing it out in, you know, from what you're saying, waiting in a paralyzed fetal position for the storm to pass. No, it's about finding these creative ways to adapt to a changing, ever-changing landscape, riding the wave, if you will, and learning somehow to stay steady amidst the chaos. Does that resonate, Laura? Absolutely sure does. I'm so excited for you to share some of your tips that you put in your book through the fire. Do you mind if we go through them? Oh, absolutely. All right. So here's the first one. Uh, This comes from that first month of my daughter's cancer treatment when like any person going through something like that, you're burned out. And I couldn't see or understand how we were going to make it through all of those years of treatment, let alone another week or another day. I was super pissed off at cancer, just paralyzed. But interestingly, I really hated living like that. So I was rebelling so hard against the reality that I knew something had to change. And that's when I learned how important it is to surrender and accept. Surrendering and accepting your life situation is step one in developing your resiliency in a crisis. When we're living outside of the surrender zone, our minds and body go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. And it's natural, but it's super unproductive. But when we surrender to the situation at hand, so for me, my daughter had cancer, and accept what's in front of us, three years of treatment, that's when we find our power because we stop pushing back against reality and find ourselves with space to get creative and make choices that help our situation be less terrifying and more productive. So now when difficult moments come up, I do remember much more quickly that the surest way out of my suffering and anxiety is to pause, 
surrender and accept life as it's coming. And then I can change what I can change. So, so good because it's true. It's only after we surrender to the reality and accept the situation can we truly move forward. I think this is so powerful for anyone listening out there, no matter what they're up against, because when you decide to surrender and accept, as you're saying, by doing so, then you're going to feel your resilience literally rise up, right? Exactly. Laura, what is the second tip that you have becoming more resilient in a crisis? All right. Tip number two, wake up and set the intention to find joy, even in your darkest days. Mm. Now, I know if you're living in a crisis right now, I totally get that this might feel impossible, surely seem a little bit trite, but I have learned that when bad things happen, it's not the situation that makes you miserable per se, but it's your reaction that makes you suffer. Mm. So it, it's exactly like you coach your clients on healthy mind management, Leanne. When we fill our minds with negative thoughts and negative images, and we let that anxiety run the house, that is when we suffer. Oh, so, so true. It's often when we allow our minds to be on that endless thought loop. Mm-hmm. It's what I call a thought tornado, but if we can exactly. wake up and choose to set the intention to find the good, to find the light, to find the joy, that is when our energy shifts. That's how we shore up our mental health. We need to be yeah. so intentional though, don't we? You know, we really do. And I find this so interesting because joy isn't always big. You think we have to have more money. We don't need to be living in a crisis. We need to be on a vacation. But actually, especially when you're in a crisis, you learn that the most joyful moments, when you once you start to look for them, are the little ones. So like when your coffee is exactly as hot as you'd like it to be, or the warmth of a sweet little pet in your lap, or the way the sun streams across your room in the morning, all of those things, even in a crisis, are obtainable. Oh, it's that was really well put. And it's when you learn to recognize these things as the true joys of life, right? Those yes. little things. This is what strengthens our resilience. You know, though, sometimes during the more difficult times in life, we have to work a little harder to see them, but they're always there. All right, mm-hmm. let's let's talk and just keeping us because I want to get through all of them. Let's talk about your third tip to be more resilient in a crisis. And I know this is kind of one of our sister favorites. We're both on the same page with this and believe in its importance. Oh, we sure do. And here it is, the importance of self-care. And we certainly learned the hard way about this one, didn't we? Haven't Mm. we over the years? So I find Interestingly, self-care is one of the most difficult things for people to wrap their heads around, I think, especially women, to Mm. actually put it into practice. But when Cecilia was finally cured, both Arna and I tanked big time, and PTSD was a super real experience for us. Um, We thankfully got ourselves into therapy and continued with it, and that's where my thinking changed Wow. But I mean, seriously, how could you not have had PTSD? Mm -hmm. But what I just want to say, good on the both of you for reaching out and getting help. I mean, sometimes people are their own worst enemies because therapy and coaching are invaluable. And we just, as a culture, we need to normalize getting the help we need. 
Absolutely. And that's why there's a full chapter in Through the Fire with all kinds of strategy like therapy and coaching for self-care. And they also include things that are free, simple, others that take more time, maybe you're more indulgent. And it's just because self-care wasn't something I didn't pay attention to when I was a young mom whose child had cancer. I was too busy and absorbed with her needs and my family's needs. And I lacked perspective to see that the things I was choosing to do for myself could actually make a difference in my well-being and their well-being. And if you're in a partnership, it's critical to take care of yourself and your partner. And that's, that's an entirely other topic. And it's a whole chapter in my book. But a very important one. I'm glad you mentioned that. So Laura, what is in your toolbox for self-care? Share some of your ideas for our listeners. Well, now when stressful times occur, the first thing I do is make sure I carve out some private time for myself. I up my yoga game, a little more meditation, make sure I'm being intentional about those things. And if I'm starting to spiral, I definitely book therapy. And if the budget allows, maybe something like a massage or acupuncture. But most of all, I quiet my life as best that I can. And ever since my Mm -hmm. cancer years, my daily traditions are setting a morning intention, having a little time for spiritual reflection, and in the evening, a nightly meditation and gratitude journal for before bed. Those I established in cancer years, and they're non-negotiable. And I know you have you have similar self-care traditions as well. <laughs> I do. But I love what you said. And I think I, when you're going through this, I quiet my life as best as I can. I think oftentimes the human nature is just to keep running, running, running. So I actually yep. think it's really beautiful. Um, yes, I don't even like to get out of bed without um, going into prayer. <laughs> and things like, you know, nature, super important. Music. Super important interestingly is huge for me as I know it is for you but you know you can put your favorite music on and you can feel your energy shift immediately and it's the reason I bring it up I just find it interesting it's such an easy thing but so many people actually forget that it's even an option right it's a perfect option Bonnie let's move on to tip number four well, practice those resiliencies in good times so that be- they become habits in bad times. Mm. So what that means is you need to practice being joyful, practice accepting and surrendering to the little situations, practice gratitude and self-care, as these are learned skills, skills that are much easier to grasp in calm times. Then leaning into them will simply be instinctual when life gets difficult. Yes, I love this. Because developing a daily practice that fills you up so good so that your resiliency will be in a healthy place for life's inevitable 50-50s. You know, this kind of attention to our well-being is so good because it just gives us that hope and the ability to see the future in a constructive and positive way. I love this. Laura, as we wrap up, what is your last tip for our listeners? Oh, it's one of my favorites. And that is to find your hero squad. Mm -hmm. Love that. This is so key. When we're in the trenches emotionally or our backs are against the wall, we can tend to go turtle and just hide because when we're in despair, we're paralyzed. 
And we think, well, we can just handle it on our own, especially if we are a very capable woman. (laughs) And rarely do we get real with those around us and show our vulnerability and need for help. And in doing so, we simply suffer. Yes, we do. We suffer in silence. And to what end, right? Right. We must intentionally, I love this, find our own hero squad, those tried and true peeps in our lives that we really trust. So important. And I think, I think what you're saying too, we just need to be able to ask for help, say what we need, and then be willing to accept it with grace. And then later on, then later on, you can pay it forward and help someone else, right? That's my intention with the book is to pay it forward by teaching other families how to ask for help. And I think fundamentally people want to help. They're just scared. They're trying not to intrude or they don't always know how to behave when their friend or loved one is suffering. So in Through the Fire, I have detailed lists of what to ask for, what not to ask for, and how to engage friends and family to become your hero squad for any crisis large or small. I don't want anybody to have to figure that out again. (laughs) Love this. Laura, what's next for getting this book into people's hands? Well, thank you for asking. My book is done and I'm actively pitching to agents. I would love a publisher who's committed to helping the over 400,000 children in the U.S. who annually are living with a chronic life-threatening condition like childhood cancer because the book is really all for them. Wow. Laura, well, first of all, thank you so much for thank sharing you. your story and talking about what resilience can actually look like. Often I think people see that word and they, oh, they get scared. Like, oh, what does it really mean? And what's required of me? Mm-hmm. But, you know, in this conversation, you have made this term something to not be afraid of because in life we're going to be in these situations and it may not be childhood cancer, Mm -hmm. but it will be something else. And we want to show up as our best selves for those we love. So you, my dear sister, did just that. So thank you for your honesty, your vulnerability, because really only when people are brave enough to be this real that the rest of us can learn. So if anyone listening has questions for Laura Langry, DM me on Champion Your Life. I will promise I will connect you and pass this podcast on to someone you know who just may need to be hearing this right now. You've been listening to Champion Your Life with me, Leanne Champion. I want you all to remember you have one precious life. Let's all live it to the fullest. Thank you again, Laura. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Champion Your Life with me, Leanne Champion on TransformationTalkRadio.com. To find out more about me and my coaching platform, visit ChampionYourLife.com. That's ChampionYourLife.com. You have one precious life. Let's live it to your fullest potential. Let's go. Let's do this together. See you next time. Views expressed on this program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not necessarily reflect the views of the station, its management, or advertisers. 
You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio.